Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Adams Mystery Playhouse podcast. Adams Mystery Playhouse is Colorado's only full-time mystery dinner theater. I am your co-host, Nick Weed, and with me today, as always, is my partner in crime, Marn Wills Quayar. How are you today, Marn? Well, Nick, I'm I'm living the dream over here, just living the dream. Well, I've got some unbelievable news. Apparently, the last podcast, uh, according to the internet, which never lies, got the highest debutante rating ever. Woo! Finally! I got several emails. I'll just read you a few. F- this one, finally, debutante-friendly entertainment. Hmm? <laughs> this one here says... Curtsy, curtsy, curtsy. <laughs> and and finally, this one that says Broadmoor Rules, Cherry Hills Country Club Drools. Well, I, uh, the response is overwhelming, and boy, all that's so good to hear. I could hardly believe it. <laughs> but anyway, moving on to this episode, why don't you introduce our first guest? Our first guest today is one of our newer performers that has come along, and her name is Samantha Bolte-Woods. How are you doing today, Samantha? I'm well, Marn. How are you? Good, good. And also with us today is a recurring performer who's actually been with us for quite a while, and it's good to have you back, uh, James Young. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to be back. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Well, we love it. So... Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Samantha um, before we get into our theme for this week's uh, podcast. And I have a couple funny stories about Samantha. Samantha, do you, do you remember when you auditioned over at Adam's Mystery Playhouse? Yes, yes, I do quite vividly. Yeah, and I think it was all gals that day that came in, wasn't it? You and two, two or others, three other. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we did some stuff. Uh, well, you, we, you read from a script and then mm-hmm. I think we ended up on stage together. All I we remember. Did. Yeah. I mean, why, why was that? Was I, were we in uh, the investigation or something like that? You also brought Wesson too. He happened to just pop in at the right time and you used him as well to help us kind of go through lines and I guess, you know, coax us out of our shells, so to speak. Right, exactly. And he was, so we were all up there and running a scene and you did several, we did it several different times and you had different takes on that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this gal is a real actress. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, we got a real actress here. And uh, oh, thank you. now yeah, you got really good interpretations of all kinds of, the other funny story I want to say is Samantha and I, and James, I wished you'd been on this gig with us because you would have you would have enjoyed it. But we did an outside gig for Tom Shane. Uh, mm. Just when, gosh, that was last, when was that? Either January or February. And uh, Tom Shane wasn't there, but his son was. And of course, you looked, you, you looked like a million bucks, Samantha. You had, you, of course, you're tall and statuesque. And you had on that long black silk dress playing uh, the gold digging widow, Miss Finch. Oh and yes. draped in jewels. And yes. uh, uh, we walked into that room. It was only, what, about 30 guests, would you say? Yeah, 35, 40. Yeah, something like that. We walk in, and these people were wound for sound. They're running up to us and asking all kinds of questions. And I think, uh, I mean, the audience was so into 
oh, what was our relationship to each other? And they, we, and I think I was, it was fun for me to see you, because I don't know if you've done a lot of walk around before, have you as characters? And no, no. uh -uh. Yeah. And that's for a lot of performers that we have. That's one of the hardest parts is walk around. Mm-hmm. And you just took like a duck to water in it. You were just Miss Finch and going around and people were asking you questions and you were lying about the other characters and deflecting it. And just uh, so uh, 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 good job on that. That was a fun night. What did you think? That was a fun night. It was uh, it was it was nice to be um, on stage, but not on a stage. You know, um, I, I wait tables in my other life, the other side of my life, and I'm always on stage there, but it, you know, with, with acting, there are lines and rules and, you know, stuff that you have to say and you can't say, um, at a restaurant. So it's always nice to, to be an actor and to be able to be on stage, but not on an actual stage and kind of mix and mingle with people. And yeah, the crowd was, they were great. They were very energetic. You know, we had we had a group of them that were so excited to be part of the um, usually it's the teapot. But what was it for this show? Um, uh, the singing the, crew, the uh, honeypot, honeypot singers. Yes, right? And they. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Do you remember? They were just so oh. into it. And it was it was great. It makes the job a whole lot easier when obviously, as we all know, when um, the the guests are just they're as pumped as we are about the show and they get involved. So yeah, it was, it was a fun night. It was a lot. Of oh fun. yeah. Yeah. Here we had three audience members playing the honeypot singers walking around <laughs> together like an acapella group, a professional yeah. acapella group and singing <laughs> islands in the sun by yes. Kenny Rogers and uh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> and they did a pretty good job at it. You they know? did. They're- yeah. They were actually really good. I think it was just the, you know, even if they hadn't sang beautifully or on, you know, key or pitch wise, I, it, just the fact that, they were completely immersed in our show and had a great time with that. I mean, that's, that's all that matters. Oh, exactly. And it was, oh, what a night that was. And I wasn't even supposed to be on the cast that night, but somebody called in sick and I, frankly, I'm really glad I got to do that because it was, (laughs) Hey James, got a question for you on outside gigs of all the outside gigs that you've done and you've done a ton of them. Um, Yes, I have. <laughs> that's actually, and that's actually how I got started at Adams was doing the outside gigs first. What What's your favorite? Um, yeah. So uh, there's so many great memories of of um, uh, outside gigs, and um, you know, just being able to be in that new environment, uh, you know, away from Adams. And um, I know that may sound a little bit funny, but just right, it's just a different energy when you are um, out and in a and at an away gig. Um, and I just remember one, um, this might be a little inside baseball, but I remember one, we were doing a, uh, a death for dinner and we were supposed to be doing, uh, I was playing the character Cliff Worthington, who is supposed to, you know, be giving this, um, motivational speech. Uh, and I'd actually come up with one that was pretty good. Um, and I was, you know, really committed to my part and I was really trying to, you know, give this great motivational speech. And the actor who was playing the detective got so wrapped up in my motivational speech that he completely forgot to give me my cue line and to interrupt so we could move the story along. So I ended up like riffing for like 
five or ten minutes actually giving a motivational speech, hoping that the actor would stop being motivated from my speech and be motivated to actually give me my next line. <laughs> yeah, to actually come in. Yeah, well, see, that's how uh, good you are. That's a you know when they're riveting uh, kind of a thing. Uh, but folks, what we're talking about, and I think James kind of cleared it up just now, is it's away from the playhouse, away gigs. So when we say outside, we don't necessarily mean out in a park or anything, but away from the playhouse. And that's kind of how we started. We'll go to hotel ballrooms, private homes, uh, country clubs, um, and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, 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 and, and I think you're right, James. We walk into a venue not knowing uh, the space is different, the acoustics are different, the food service is different, and we have to make the magic happen. And it, it's, it's kind of a nice challenge. So, Marn, just really quickly, do you by chance remember the, um, what was his name? I think it was Bob. I think it was Bob, the gentleman that um, had been involved in the rumor with Miss Finch. And I think, I honestly think Ms. I think you had started the rumor. <laughs> I think I did. I think I, I think did. Yes. Yeah. You were the culprit. Yeah. The, the greatest thing about that, again, you know, going back to the honeypots and such is the fact that he, he played it very well and authentically. He was beyond excited to, <laughs> to be caught up in a fake rumor with one of the characters so much that he kept yeah. He kept like trying to find any way, shape, form, possible situation to come over and and pretend that you know we were secretly having an affair or oh yes uh, oh know, yes or you know no 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 can't talk to each other can't look at each other but he would always he would kind of follow me around the room sometimes oh yeah oh yeah oh and yeah I mean, it's, it's it's comical to to watch these you know these these people who who don't have acting lives, they don't have acting careers to get involved and immerse themselves in this and to kind of just shed away their normal life for a few hours. And it's not only comical, but it's, it's really delightful just to see everybody kind of become kid-like again and just have fun. Just forget about, you know, the seriousness of life and the judgment that's one of the that's one of the first things that any basic acting class teaches you is to let go of judgment do not be afraid of other people watching you um because you're mm -hmm. there to have fun and you're there to be goofy and silly and you know that's one of the biggest treats for me being on stage quote unquote whether i'm at a restaurant working or i'm on an actual stage performing or i'm with you guys uh at the the playhouse or you know um at the hotels is just watching people let go and have fun and just be kind of you know become a kid again but oh yeah but good old bob oh my goodness he was so yeah funny. good old good old bob was enjoying his three hours of having an affair with you i gotta say that he, he was. And, and you you looked really good that night <laughs> i mean yeah i mean could you blame him too i mean a very very yeah. savvy looking dressed woman mm -hmm. in a beautiful black dress that i don't ever get to wear anymore so yeah and then <laughs> Yeah, well, and then Bob riffed away. Well, and then one of the audience members, when we, they were stating their votes, some other guy said, uh, "We think it was Miss Finch because I wanted to have the affair with Bob." Yeah, you know, <laughs> it just kept going. It was so funny. It was, but a anyway. Lot of fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, what's your favorite outside gig that you'd ever done, James? 
Oh boy, um, that's a great question. Um, I remember one that you were on um, and Alex Crawford was on, another one of our really talented um, actors and Nick was on. Uh, and it was down by um, Colorado Springs or it might've been in Colorado Springs. Um, and it was a tough room. It was a restaurant that was a, a little bit wide open. Um, so it was kind of a tough room. But uh, what I remember is that um, all of us were just really in sync um, and that we were just really um, connecting well. And even in that tough room, we had a lot of fun together. Um, and that was a really great show. Uh, and then I also remember one that um, just Nick and I did um, at The Broker, which is a restaurant in downtown um, Denver. Uh, and it was just, a, it was the, the Western show, but it was just the two of us. And I think it was like on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it was another one where it was um, a really funky room, but um, Nick and I were just having so much fun together. Uh, at least I was having a tremendous amount of fun with Nick and we were just really riffing well together. Um, that uh, that one stands out as well. So I think anytime that, you know, we're just connecting and that we're getting the audience involved, uh, it just, it, it makes it just such a, a an awesome experience. Now oh, that yeah. broker show had disaster written all over it. And oh. it was, it was quite successful. The thing about the broker that I always enjoyed the most is uh, they were so welcoming to us. They told us we could have as much water <laughs> right. as we wanted. That's right. And I, <laughs> we could <laughs> water for everyone. <laughs> and I even remember I once ordered a sparkling water, and they gave oh. me a little grief about that. Oh, well, oh. I'm afraid that's probably why we lost that. Gift. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably it's all my fault. Nick and I were reminiscing <laughs> yesterday on a a gig up at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, and this was, oh man, I'm going to say 20 years ago, easily. And we, in the original Death for Dinner, we had a little puppet named Bobo. It was like a Charlie McCarthy kind of doll. And uh, C.J. Hammer, the maintenance man, his best friend was uh, Bobo, the little puppet. And the audience, it was a small audience, very hoity-toity dinner, very high dollar, candles on the table, lights turned low, and the audience proceeded to get pretty inebriated. And one of the audience members grabbed Bobo and set him on fire oh with the gosh. candles. Oh, yeah. And the fellow that was playing uh, C.J. Hammer at the time was Mark Corrigan. He's not with us anymore, and we miss him. Funny, funny, funny man. But he's having... he's he's with us. He's with the world. He's not dead. He just, well, yeah. just, he just he's not currently doing shows with us at the moment. Thank you for clarifying that, Nick. I almost got really right, bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's still alive and kicking and probably doing a lot of funny things. But but that incident just really upset Mark. And we were remembering how he, he was almost yeah. in tears. It was like, cause his really? prop was his, yeah. I think he thought of Bobo truly as his friend. I, I got to tell you one time I played CJ Hammer. CJ Hammer was the, the character that was supposed to be able to be played by male or female. CJ Hammer wears a maintenance shirt and the maintenance pants. And in the very, very, very early days of doing these, we tried to do them as a surprise at a hotel ballroom, so nobody knew. So we had a maintenance man, a motivational speaker, like James was just talking about. Uh, we had two two attendees to the party. 
Uh, and what was the other character, Nick? So we've got a Tara. Well, that Tara. Yeah, the Tara, Bosco, Bosco, Bosco and Susan. Tara. Oh, Susan. Susan Snoo was the uh, uh, event coordinator. So in the early days, we would come in as those people and the audience didn't know. And I, I got to say, I have a lot of empathy for maintenance people because people were treating me like dirt. <laughs> they were like, open that door for me. You know, <laughs> like, I, okay, yes, I'll open the door. Yeah, because I had on a maintenance outfit, you know. And of course, we, we learned early on, didn't we, Nick? You do not mm. want to do these as a surprise. You want yeah. the audience to know. Who's this was? I was actually thinking about this earlier in the week if we started talking about private shows. Whose idea was it to do them as a surprise in the beginning? I have to take I have to take the credit or the blame for that because in the early, early days when I started developing these and I I didn't really have we didn't we didn't go off a script. We had really good entertainers in their own right. And they had relationships to each other. Uh, and we had a structure. So we, we knew we, we were going from step point A to point B. Um, but the gal that helped me write Death for Dinner was named Faith O'Halloran. And when we first wrote that, and she's a very, very good entertainer. She does an incredible Marilyn Monroe impersonation and many other walk-around characters that are. And in those days, gosh, the corporate business was so big and so many walk, uh, big theme parties. Uh, and, and Faith was involved in a lot of those. But we just thought it would be a great idea if that we would come in and we would surprise people. And boy, did we learn that that doesn't that doesn't work that well. Now, we're not the only murder mystery company that attempted to do that. And as a matter of fact, somebody told me, you know, a lot of the murder mystery companies kind of come and go. We're definitely the the long the long sprinters in this whole thing, long distance runners in this whole business for sure. Um, But some other company had gone into a hotel ballroom and this is maybe 20, 25, 30 years ago. They were doing the mystery as a surprise. Unfortunately, one of them pulled out a, a fake gun that had a, um, mm -hmm, that had a, what do you call that Nick where it makes a sound, but it isn't real. Uh, Blank. Blank. And they shot a blank and some man, I, I think he had a heart attack. I mean, I really didn't. But it's a combination too, as performers, um, they feel like they've been lied to and taken advantage of. And, and, and the audience does. Yes. The audience audience feels hoodwinked. Yes. And also the other thing too, which is kind of on the same page, we used to book a hypnotist. Uh, a, a guy named Robert Guest, and he told me when I would book him to make sure, make sure everyone knows there's going to be a hypnotist there that night performing. And the reason, and this is this is the other reason why we don't want it to be a surprise where it affects us, is because then the audience has opened their mind to go, ooh, a hypnotist, that sounds like fun. And they're going to be more receptive to his show as opposed to they're sitting there and then, and now we have Robert Guest and he's a hypnotist and they're like, Oh, you know, and so it's a combination of the feeling taken advantage of 
and the the uh, but also making the show better because they're with us from the beginning. I think you hit the nail on the head. If they know that there's something they're supposed to interact with from the get go, it's a lot like Samantha and I were just talking about a minute ago, where the Tom Shane people knew there was a mystery. They were they were ready for it the second we walked in the room, and they were yeah. attacking us with questions, and uh, it made the job so much. Can you imagine what it would have been like, Samantha, to walk in there as the characters that we were, and they didn't know they were coming in a mystery? Yeah. That would have been Who a whole... Yeah, Who right. These... Yeah. yeah. What? Why is there a maid here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, everyone. I guess it's time to move on to our next segment, which, of course, is our mini-mystery. Let's start with the solution to last episode's mini-mystery 1015. Why did Fordney doubt Waters' secretary? Well, you see, the secretary said she heard Waters talking to Fordney over the telephone. Considering Fordney's name was not mentioned during the conversation, the secretary could not have known to whom Waters was talking. It's the little things that count in crime detection. And now this episode's mystery, Death Backstage. This mystery calls for five voices. So, we have brought back from episode two our old friend, Wesley Woodcock. How are you today, Wes? I'm doing okay. I'm excited to to read my lines. (laughs) Very good. And now, the cast in today's mini-mystery. Marn will be the narrator. James will be playing Reynolds. Samantha is Maria. Juan is played by Wes. And I will be Professor... Fordney. And here we go with Death Backstage. Claudia Mason, beautiful and popular young actress, was found lying across the chaise lounge in her elaborately furnished dressing room, dead from a bullet wound in the temple. She had sold her jewels and, with a heroic gesture, partially paid her many debts. Near Claudia's right hand, Sergeant Reynolds picked up the revolver with which she had been killed and after careful examination, said, No fingerprints, of course. Gosh, Fortney, there's two rocks she didn't sell. Pointing to a large emerald on her left hand and a diamond on her right. Call Maria, her maid. I want to find out more about this fellow in the photograph, signed Juan. This note was evidently addressed to him. Dear Juan, I am so despondent. The money from my jewels was not enough. Claudia. Not many of these dames kill themselves over their debts, muttered Reynolds as he went to call Maria. Moments later, the maid entered the room. Who is Juan? He's the leading man in the show. Well, why wasn't this note delivered to him? I forgot it. You found her? Yes. When I came in to help her dress, she was... Like that! Is Juan in his dressing room now? I believe so. When Reynolds brought him into Claudia's room, he dropped to his knees beside the dead girl. My God! She's killed herself! No, she hasn't, young man. She was murdered. All right, there you have it. Why was Professor Fordney sure that it was not a suicide? I believe that wraps it up for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks to everyone for joining us. And please tune in to our next podcast from Adam's Mystery Playhouse.